This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Thursday, October 27th of 2022. I'm your host, Jimmy Sirfoss. Thank you for joining us here on listener-supported community radio coming up on today's program. We'll get into the weeds about two tax-related propositions on this year's ballot. After that, we'll look into efforts to reduce and reuse waste during Halloween. Then Rocky Mountain Community Radio has some tips if you're wondering how to preserve some of the bumper chop from a vegetables that farmers market farmers markets uh, hit this season. A BBC News update at the bottom of the hour. After that, on public t- today's public affair, Tish Buford interviews Monica Martinez about the Fax Partnership. Coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, it's an October edition of Radio Book Club. This morning, we'll hear from Andrew Sean Greer speaking about his latest book, Less is Lost. This is a sequel to the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Less. Then at 9.30, Uncle Jeff will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still ahead this morning. But first, a look at headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. District Attorney Heidi Malcolm announced Wednesday she has convened a grand jury investigation into the shooting death of 22-year-old Christian Glass. A Clear Creek County deputy killed Glass in early June after Glass crashed his car and called 911 for help. Glass, who was experiencing a mental health crisis, told dispatchers he had knives in the car and was afraid to step out of the car. As officers responded to the call, Glass refused to get out. Eventually, police broke his car window and shot him six times. McCollum said the jury was selected Tuesday and is presenting the incident to the jury for further investigation and possible return of charges. The case is under review by the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, which normally reviews police shootings. A jury on Wednesday found 44-year-old Boulder resident Dean Schiller not guilty of obstructing police while live-streaming the Table Mesa King Supers mass shooting that occurred in March 2021. Schiller began recording the incident live on YouTube after hearing gunshots and seeing people injured as he was leaving the store. Schiller told the Daily Camera earlier in the year that he happened to be at the store with his friend Denny Strong, who was one of the victims of the shooting, and reportedly told law enforcement he was a journalist. During the trial, prosecutors argued Schiller obstructed and interfered with law enforcement as they responded to the incident, while Schiller and his attorneys argued for First Amendment rights. According to investigator records, Schiller live-streamed police response for nearly two hours and ignored about 60 commands by law enforcement to leave, including several physical attempts to move him. The investigator also noted no other media members were at the immediate area of the crime scene, and Schiller refused to move to the staging area for news media. Prior to the mass shooting, Schiller said he frequently filmed police activity around Boulder. The Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission approved Wednesday a plan by Crestone Peak Resources to drill 19 horizontal oil and gas wells in Weld County near Broomfield and Erie. During Wednesday's hearing, Broomfield officials presented air monitoring data, which they say show spikes in emissions caused by hazardous chemicals linked to oil and gas operations, including the chemical benzene. According to the Colorado Sun, Broomfield also presented results from a health survey done in coordination with the state health department that shows people living close to wells have higher reported incidences of respiratory problems and other health issues. 
Broomfield's arguments were the first time a local government could intervene in commission proceedings because of a new rule allowing local governments to protest when in proximity to proposed sites. According to the Colorado Sun, the town of Erie reached a separate agreement with the operator. The commissioners said they based their approval on recommendations that came from staff and the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and that Broomfield's data did not outweigh the information from the operator. The Colorado Public Utilities Commission approved Excel's Energy's plan to increase natural gas prices. KGN News' Luis Lacone has more. The price increase is set to start by the end of this year. The rent hike will cause residential and small businesses' monthly bills to rise by around 3%. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, high natural gas prices will continue to rise this winter. Households across the country may see their energy bill jump close to 30%. After XL Energy increased the prices, they plan to file a request for an electric bill rate increase as well by the end of the year. The increase will be an add-on from last April's increased price of $182.2 million. AARP spokeswoman Angela Cortez said that the company is doing its obvious pancaking filing one rate increase after another, and Coloradans are sick of it. For KGNU, I am Luis Licon. The Colorado Automobile Dealers Association released its third quarter update this month that says the effects of inflation, limited inventories, and interest rates continue to affect vehicle sales. The state so far this year has had close to 160,000 new vehicle registrations through September, compared to roughly 190,000 at the same time last year. Precise numbers show a 14.5% drop for the first nine months of 2022. The CADA report does highlight that pent-up demand for vehicles continues to grow and also predicts that vehicle prices will probably lower when supply chain issues improve. Although vehicle sales are down overall in the state, the report shows Colorado drivers are snatching up more green vehicles this year compared to last, with electric vehicles sales having the largest increase at 41%. Housing officials with the Colorado State University in Fort Collins say they still have 103 students temporarily housed at the Best Western Inn near the school's campus. According to the Coloradan, CSU fell short in providing on-campus housing for the record number of first-year students enrolled this year and scrambled to deal with a surge of incoming students. At the start of the semester, school officials said they placed over 330 students in overflow housing and assigned 140 to the Best Western Inn. Although CSU expected to end the hotel housing by September, the school is now renting the hotel until the end of the semester. Officials said they were caught off guard by the record enrollment because of the pandemic and the low number of students who disenrolled over the summer. Today's weather includes rain and snow showers mainly before 3 p.m., with cloudy skies eventually turning sunny by late afternoon. Today's highs will be in the upper 40s, low 50s. Tonight, skies will be mostly clear with the lows in the 20s. A freeze watch starts tonight and ends by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. The current temperature in Boulder is 36 degrees. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You are listening to The Morning Magazine here on KGNU. I'm your host, Jimmy Searfoss. State ballot proposition 121 asks Coloradans 
if they would like to decrease the state income tax rate. Supporters say the cut will put money into people's pockets. Opponents say the tax decrease is actually a tax increase for 90% of Coloradans. They are asking voters to weigh in on another ballot measure, Prop GG, which will add a table to all income tax-related ballot measures in an effort to clarify how taxpayers will affect different socioeconomic groups. Alexis, Alexis Kenyon has more. The passage of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR, 30 years ago created restrictions on the state income tax code in Colorado by design. One of those restrictions mandates that voters approve of any changes to income tax. Another is that when the income tax proposal gets on the ballot, it must be written in specific language. Elliot Goldbaum of the Colorado Fiscal Institute says these rules make tax increases especially difficult to pass. It has to be in all capital letters. It has to spell out the dollar amount of the tax increase, even if it was only paid for by super rich people would still have to say, shall taxes be increased by as many zeros as, as are in hundreds of millions of dollars. And so a tax cut might sound appealing to a voter and that has a significant impact on voters' willingness to support it. And it's by design. Another thing Tabor codified was Colorado's flat income tax rate. This flat tax rate means everyone pays the same rate regardless of income. Right now, that rate is 4.55%. Proposition 121 on this year's ballot asked voters to change that rate by about 0.11%, down to 4.4%. But Goldbaum says... The wording of the question is tricky. Proposition 121 looks fairly straightforward. Shall your income taxes be decreased by this amount? Unfortunately, voters do not get the whole story when they are asked that question because the amount of tax cut that somebody gets is wildly different dependent on their income. Supporters of Prop 121 say the money will create thousands of jobs. Dr. Stephen Byers is a senior financial analyst for Colorado's Common Sense Institute. What's happening really is it's taking away government revenue, but it's increasing private sector savings. And there will be more jobs generated by the private sector as they face a lower corporate income tax. And while the 0.11% tax decrease would mean a private sector savings of about $380 million. Kristen Myers, a tax expert and editor-in-chief of TheBalance.com, a personal finance and tax policy website, says Prop 121 would save Coloradans making $36,000 a year, right around the state's average income, about $3 a month, or annually $12. The bulk of the tax savings, more than half of the state's lost revenue, would be returned to the top 1% of Colorado taxpayers. And so again, in this idea of giving tax cuts because the money is going to trickle down, right? Trickle down economics, in theory, it could work. The reality, however, is that's not actually a hard and fast truth. And what we do see regularly is that oftentimes corporations will take tax cuts and they will run with them. Myers says, for every $1 million in lost tax revenue, the private sector creates about four jobs. So we can do the math. You know, if Colorado loses $10 million in tax revenue from these tax cuts, then you're essentially going to have 40 jobs created. But Proposition 121 isn't the only tax question on this year's ballot. 
Proposition GG attempts to clarify tax-related ballot measures like Prop 121 by requiring that all income tax-related ballot measures include a table that breaks down how changes to the tax code would impact eight different income brackets, information that's already included in the ballot blue book. Goldbaum says, especially this year with Prop 121 on the ballot, voters deserve to understand what they're voting for. Right now, voters are going to be asked, should your income taxes be cut? And if they vote yes, for people who make under $91,000 a year, they will probably actually get less money from the income tax cut than if they just voted no or if the law didn't change at all because of the Tabor rebates that are scheduled to go out next year. And I'm not sure whether GG would actually give them that particular information or not. However, at the very least, they should know the dollar amount that they would receive from a tax cut or on the other side, whether they would actually be subject to a tax increase if it was to pass. Stephen Byers of Colorado's Common Sense Institute says, as far as adding a tax table to spell out how taxes would affect different income levels, he can see why people would want that. I think it depends on where you stand. If you're in the camp that taxing people who make good incomes is a good thing, then you probably want to uh, show these income categories. But if on the other hand, where it's like, well, you know, continuing to tax is not a good thing, then you might want it to be more opaque. Uh, I mean, personally, I think people ought to have to take a little test to make sure they understand what the ballot measure even says before <laughs> they can vote on it. And I think a lot of people just see th headlines like free munch. Well, oh, wow, that's a good deal. Let's do it. So it's like Margaret Thatcher said, is socialism's great until you run out of other people's money. Elliot Goldbaum of Colorado's Fiscal Institute says he doesn't think it's a coincidence that the people who are for Prop 121 have come out against Proposition GG. I would just say to conservative groups that are annoyed by Proposition GG, why are you proposing these measures that aren't actually helping people that you say that it's going to help? All you got to do is come up with tax policies that actually give the most benefits to the people who need it and not to rich people. A recent poll by Strategies 360 found that 65 percent of Republican, Democrats and independent voters in Colorado support adding a tax table to the ballot. Whether that poll majority translates to policy changes at the ballot box remains to be seen. For KGNU, I'm Alexis Kenyon. Holiday celebrations can produce a lot of trash. Think gift wrapping on Christmas or those fillable plastic Easter eggs or balloons on Valentine's Day. The aftermath of this next annual celebration heading to a landfill near you is Halloween. From plastic candy wrappers to styrofoam decorations, not much is recyclable. But some local organizations launched efforts this year to at least reuse key elements of the holiday. Shannon Young has the latest installment in our Follow the Waste series. Crowds mill about tables set up in the gym of Centaurus High School in Lafayette, chatting with representatives from local groups and environmental organizations. 
The so-called Ecotober Fair occurred earlier this month as a way of connecting Boulder County residents with local efforts to reduce carbon footprints and waste. One portion of the gym had two long tables, racks, and a donation box filled with clothing, but not the kind you'd wear every day. At this event, we're also hosting a Halloween costume exchange to promote reuse, also to educate about fast fashion, and also to give families costumes that they can wear for this year's festivities. Elizabeth Zorad is the sustainability manager for the city of Lafayette. She says it's the first time her office has organized a Halloween costume swap. We really want to promote reusing costumes. A lot of people go out, buy costumes, and then it sits in your bin, your Halloween bin, for years and years to come because your children outgrow your outgrow their costumes. It's not in trend anymore. Um, so this is an opportunity to reuse them. Zorad says the cities of Lafayette and Louisville and the town of Superior teamed up to put costume donation drop boxes in strategic locations during the month of September. And we got over 200 costumes for this event, so we're really excited of how popular it's been. One of the drop-off locations was the Louisville Public Library. Aaron Owen is the library's community engagement and support specialist. We've had lots of a really great response. We had so many costumes that were dropped off and people were just really thankful that it was at a central, central location, somewhere where they're all at all the time anyway, and it just made it really easy. The costume exchange table stayed busy throughout the Ecotober event, both with kids picking items out and adults dropping costumes off. Among them was Bo Benham. How old are you? Four, four and a half. Bo selected a mixed ensemble of a pharaoh outfit, costume shoes, and demi-mask sunglasses featuring the likeness of a popular animated dog. You came here for the costume exchange. What did you think? What do you think about the costume? Too many options. Bo's mother, Christina Martin, says she appreciated all of the various sizes and variety and will make sure to give back in the future. We will definitely participate again next year and also will donate costumes in advance but next year. I do come here next year. You do want to come next year? Uh-huh. Yeah, me too, buddy. The pilot project of the costume exchange proved so successful, sustainability manager Elizabeth Sorad says she plans to do it again and may even expand its scope to include Halloween decorations. So if you're not sure what to do with leftovers from this Halloween, you may want to look for drop boxes next September. For KGNU, I'm Shannon Young in Lafayette. KGNU's Follow the Waste reporting series was made possible possible by a grant from Boulder County's Zero Waste Funding Program. Normally, this is time for Radio Nibbles, but while we patiently wait for John Lindorf to feel better, we're going to keep it in the food realm with our next story. If you've recently been to one of the many harvest festivals held across Colorado at this time of year, you might have come away with a little more produce than you can handle. How do you preserve all the fresh fruit and veggies? For Rocky Mountain Community Radio KOTO Gavin's McHugh, Gavin McGough talks with chef and local food enthusiast Gallic Corngold about her current culinary inspirations. It's harvest season, 
And as frost is coming to our part of the world, farms are putting out their last bounties in a great final push. What should we be cooking with all the good food coming to market before the winter hiatus? I sat down with Galit Korngold at the Nukla Heritage Festival to talk about what's in season and what we should be cooking at this delicious moment. Right now, all the nightshades are coming in hot. So the tomatoes, the peppers, uh, we just finished corn season, melons are still going off. Um, but it's chili season and we can get them roasted or fresh. Potatoes, onions, all the root crops are coming in hot. We got the winter squashes, all the different varieties and pumpkins. Corngold is the proprietor of Wild Gals Market, which she's run for the past two years out of a sunny little storefront on Nucla's main drag. As the bluegrass band begins to play on the Nucleus town stage, Korngold says cooking is connected to her true calling in life. Yeah, I, I was actually a graphic designer professionally for the last 30 years before I came, before I became a, a store owner and a, and a cook. I, I consider myself a Jewish mother. I love to feed. It's my thing. And uh, the biggest pleasure I get is seeing people enjoy my food. Between the diverse landscapes of high mountain peaks and drought-stricken desert, the local food scene of the western slope can be hard to navigate. But when Korngold opened her store, she started by building a network of food producers across the region. I started making my own connections, traveling all around this area every week to go hit the farms and find the good stuff and the best deals and the freshest. So right now we're getting food from farmers in Norwood, in Olathe, in Montrose, near Grand Junction, uh, Palisade, and uh, Dominguez Canyon between Delta and Grand Junction. Um, built some really nice relationships with these farmers and it's, it's one of the best parts of my week. If you've stopped by a farmer's market lately, chances are you walked away overburdened with veggies. When asked what to make with the season's bounty, Korngold says to aim for big hearty pots of things that use up all the fresh produce. Well, it's definitely soup season, so that's what we do. We, we make soups with whatever's in season and whatever we have way too much of. I get very excited when I buy produce and I tend to buy too much. So we make butternut soup, we make ratatouille, it's perfect time for that, peppers, eggplant, tomato, onions, zucchini, all that good stuff stewed together. What else? Oh, it's also, yeah, we're going to make chicken soup and kale and sausage soup, Those, all those kind of things are really, tis the season for that, and pies. When cooking, Korngold also draws inspiration from her heritage. Uh, so Israeli is really the major part of my background. So we actually, for our store, we make Israeli salad, which is a chopped tomato, cucumber, onion salad. We make hummus every week, and it's the best hummus on this side of the Rockies. We make tzatziki, that's Greek. We make Moroccan stuff like salad kuit, which literally translates to cooked salad, and it's stewed tomatoes and green peppers and a ton of garlic, low and slow until it's thick, thick, and you eat it with bread. 
We're feeders. We're lucky that we landed in a community of eaters. Korngold says cooking for her community is the best part of her week. The spirit of Wild Gals is to get creative and let loose in the kitchen. With whatever bounty you have, Korngold says cooking, at long last, is about a feeling of togetherness. It's an art form and it's a show of love. It's a love language and an art form. Surrounded by apples, pears, and baked goods galore at the Nuclea Town Park, it's the perfect time to celebrate and afterwards head home towards the warmth and promise of the kitchen stove. For KOTO, this is Gavin McGough. That is all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Jimmy Searfoss. Shannon Young has been our producer. Special thanks to Stacey Johnson, Luis Lincoln, Alexis Kenyon, Gavin McGough, and Rosanna Longabetter for their contributions for today's program. A reminder that if you'd like to share a comment with KGNU, call us at 303-447-9911. We play the messages back on Tuesday mornings at 825 during the Morning Magazine. Stay tuned for a public affair with Tish Buford, That's all still ahead, but first, a BBC News update.